Hello, and welcome to episode three of season two of Simply Mr. Hayes, the podcast. Here we share ideas, experiences, and resources to help other educators. I'm your host, Eric Hayes. In this episode, I interview Dean Ganey, author of the book, Journey to the YNU, an elementary school educator. Listen in as we talk about the importance of knowing your why and what it means to have a student-driven classroom. Well, I'm excited to uh, announce my, my next guest. Some people call him Mr. Ganey. I call him Dean. So Dean, thank you very much for allowing me to interview you. And well, you know I respect you greatly and I could go on and on about, about what I admire, but please tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. Thank you, by the way, for having me on tonight. Um, of course, my name is Dean, as you've heard uh, from Eric, and uh, I am an educator of 14 years in Orlando, Florida, and I teach uh, elementary school level kids, grades three, four, and five. Uh, this year, I taught fifth grade, going back to third next year, and um, also a doctoral student, uh, working on my doctorate in organizational leadership, and also at an author of a Journey to the YNU, as well as singer and songwriter. Um, and I've done some acting too. So that's a little bit about me. I've also served in the United States Air Force. So one thing we've just discovered right now about you, Dean, is that there really isn't very much you can't do. Well, um, when it comes to mechanical things, that was my worst score on the ASVAB. So I would have to say, when it comes to those kinds of things, I might be a little slow at getting those done, but otherwise, maybe so. <laughs> and just for, for our listeners, the background noise isn't lots of people clapping, although that could very well be happening. We are interviewing you in the midst of a thunderstorm, yes? Yes, yes, I had to pull the plants in because it's uh, thunder, lightning, and then I had some flicker and lights a minute ago. Um, but as for now, we still have power. Well, great, great. Um, I want to talk to you uh, about a little bit more about the book that you wrote, The Author of the Journey to, to the Why and You. Kind of what, is that, what does that mean? And how does it kind of sum up your teaching style? Or does it sum up your teaching style? Well, uh, first and foremost, um, the, the, the title of the book is ambiguous. Um, it's identified as the letter Y, like journey to the letter Y in you. But there's an ambiguity in that it also uh, focuses on the W-H-Y. And so um, our actions are driven uh, by our why. Um, our beliefs, um, our behaviors, they're driven by our why. And it's important to know why we do what we do because that's what keeps us doing it. Um, and I think that um, this particular book speaks to anybody, any audience, um, regarding the importance of understanding that even through the day-to-day -day, um, interactions, day-to-day uh, -day activities, day-to-day -day obstacles, day-to-day -day experiences, um, all of it works together to um, bring us to a point of understanding why we are where we are, why we do what we do. Um, and in fact, it helps to clarify purpose um, in our lives. Like, obviously, I'm an educator, right? And so the book is written from this educator viewpoint, educator perspective. However, I like to say it's a book 
it's not a book for everybody, but it's a book for anybody. Because when, you, when you're able to identify how the obstacles inform your why, how the obstacles lead you to your why, how the good and the bad experiences lead to your why, it reinforces um, that there's purpose in um, those things that you go through. There's purpose in those things that you walk through. Um, and um, I'm just excited about the fact that even as, I, as, as we have this conversation right now, I know that um, that my why is always, I'm always cognizant of my why when I reflect on my day-to-day -day experiences and how they um, really um, confirm that this is where I need to be. Well, and, and I, I like that you mentioned that, uh, and we've had conversations, um, you know, prior to this podcast about the importance of our why, but one of my previous guests mentioned that knowing his why has helped him during this COVID-19 where the, the classroom looks different. How has that impacted your why? Well, um, you know, I think about what has happened with COVID-19 and how I don't think anybody was prepared uh, for how suddenly it, it came on everyone and uh, the changes that were required um, once it kind of made its way to the United States. And um, I, I've always known that, you know, I was a teacher. I've always uh, felt like this was the place where I was supposed to be, um, my passion, if you will. Um, and during this particular time, you know, it's, it's, it, it lent itself <clears throat> to me understanding that there is a even greater, um, there's an even greater um, opportunity to be able to reach um, my students. And so I, I like to I think about, well, you know, one of the quotes that I associate with my book is that it's not just about the teach, but it's about the reach. And um, even though we're not necessarily inside of the school building, um, I'm still able to reach my students at, at, at an even greater level. Um, and so thinking about this as an obstacle, this was definitely an obstacle. Uh, but it was also an opportunity um, for me to be able to realize that if I'm really about these students, I'm going to find a way um, to to make learning um, continue to happen, to provide a space um, that students can still be engaged and excited about um, what we're doing every day, um, and for them to know that I'm there. Um, and uh, so... Um, this opportunity to be home and to be, you know, um, at a distance but still engaging students has really affirmed that, yes, I can do this. This is this is this is the role that I've been destined to to to, to walk in, and not only me, but just uh, you know, educators in general. This is what we do, and um, and I, I just love the opportunity to be able to reach them. And that's very inspiring. Do you mind? Um do you mind kind of telling us a little bit? I know we, you know, there's this, there's a lot that you do to, to work with your students, but what are some of the things that you've been able to do to, to be there, to, to reach them, to let them know that you're there for them and you care about their education? Well, um, one of the things is being broadcasting. I have a live broadcast twice a day. Um, and one of the reasons I do that is because I felt like, you know, being out of the classroom, students need us more than they do um, when we were actually inside of the building. 
Um, many of them didn't really understand what was going on. And um, I, I think as much as I could be there live to sort of um, make it seem like we were still in a classroom, if you will, even though we were at a distance, um, that was very beneficial to them. Um, the interactions, the, the, the different kinds of games we would play, um, the different kinds of assignments, and I would say very tasks um, that I would give them. Um, and then just the, the support, like checking in, um, the feedback uh, that I was able to provide, utilization of a, um, uh, of a platform, digital learning platform, uh, where I was able to provide opportunities to extend the learning, um, to demonstrate learning, and really do that in a way that is um, <clears throat> best for them. So there's not really one way to show that you've mastered something. And uh, what it's, I think it's a great thing when you can give students the opportunity to do that in their own way, um, because it's about the skill and being able to demonstrate they understand the skill could you know, happen in you know, any number of ways. And I think they've really taken advantage of that during this time. And, and I find it very interesting because you said that you could, you know, you're able to help them show what they know in various ways, because one of the things that, that I've heard almost as, as a complaint about the distance learning is, okay, you know, we can do that with the older kids, but then the younger students, but that's, that's your students. So how, how are you able to get them navigating the technology piece and still show their learning? So I will tell you that I did introduce, in, at least in some part, um, while we were inside of the school walls, I did introduce them to technology. I did let them fiddle around with a few of the different types of um, platforms that, that I like to utilize with them. Uh, however, I think the bottom line is having high expectations and being able to, um, to establish um, the, the, the relationship that I have with my students, um, high expectations included, but then um, sort of open that door to the opportunity that they'll have to be able to gain so much more from what we're doing in this space than to be limited to one way of learning. Um, I think part of it too is I will never lose the child part of me. And I think that my excitement for learning is passed on to them. Um, as we interact, I engage with them. Um, it's not like, it's not a, a me versus them. It's a me with them mentality. And I think that that level of engagement and then the high expectations added to it makes them want to work, makes them want to be able to pursue learning opportunities and it makes them want to put in 100% effort. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I can't even tell you the number of times that, um, you know, they would be, they would be on and I would hear the interactions even amongst themselves, um, the leadership, the empowerment, the, the, uh, just the, the sheer conversations that they have um, about content has really blown my mind to see it. And I think it's, due to those high expectations and being consistent. Well, I love it. And I know that those high expectations led to you receiving a certain amount of accolades. In fact, our listeners can't see this, but in the back, I see visually, Mr. Gaines is the best teacher ever from your students. I see that poster. So can you tell, tell me a little bit more? Because I'm presenting this visual image for, for our listeners. 
So um, <clears throat> yes, this was a poster created by one of my students, which I was entirely grateful for. We had our, what we call a bridge ceremony on Wednesday and um, the students kind of did a drive-through bridge and actually walked across a wooden bridge um, from fifth grade to now sixth grade since they're going to middle school. And um, one of my students, uh, as they were coming through the, the car loop, I greeted them at the car and they had this poster in their hand held against the vehicle and um, said, oh, we, I created this, I designed this, but it's for you, we want to give it to you. And I just, and they communicated just how much they um, just enjoyed being in my class, being a part of the, the, the experience that we've had. And I call it experience because I just think that learning can happen in so many different ways. And I really like to tap into those ways. And he, he really benefited quite a bit. His parents, um, his, grand, his grandparents were just entirely grateful for. In fact, that student actually got into the IB program uh, in his, the middle school he's going to. And that's the first time that has ever happened uh, at, a, at the school that I work at. That's the first time it had ever occurred that a student was able to get into an IB program leaving my current school going into middle school. So that was a pretty high um, honor, I would say. And um, I was also recognized at the district level uh, as an OCPS hero teacher, just because of the, um, the high expectations. And they specifically said it, you know, the high expectations that I continue to have, the consistency that I continue to have. And then just, um, you know, the, the idea that um, vocabulary, you know, I focus a lot on vocabulary too, which I love. Um, because without vocabulary, we won't really communicate very well. All right, words are the way that we, we communicate with words. And so I challenge them to be word wizards and we learn new words every day and um, they're using them out loud, they're identifying them. It's just really engaging because I challenge them, I push them, I motivate them as, as much as I can do. I can do. And so um, I feel like what's 75% of my job is motivation. And once I, once I accomplish that, I think everything else is easy. So what was, the, what was the response from the parents as you navigated your, your being present in the, during this time on distance learning? How did they, were they able to see those efforts and, and how did they respond to it? Absolutely, um, they were, most of my parents are connected. Um, I use something called FreshGrade, by the way, and um, it's a digital, plat digital learning platform, digital portfolio, it's a lot of things, great book, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they are involved even on that digital platform. So they get a chance to see the dialogue, the interaction between myself and the students. And they also get a chance to post, ask questions, um, learn about what's going on in the classroom. I call it a window into the classroom. Um, and really and truly they, I mean, all the communication I've received has just been really positive. Um, as challenging as this distance learning has been, um, it has been a positive for them, um, and I'm grateful that I've been able to be consistent, um, even through Class Dojo, which is another way that we communicate with parents. They, they communicate very, very much so um, how pleased they are to know that um, those high expectations do exist, and we are, I'm consistently holding those high expectations of them. Uh, and I think that that challenges and motivates the students to really do their very best um, to continue to meet those. Now I'm excited about uh, this this next question uh, because 
you're a person that's very dynamic and you have a lot of great ideas and I see you, you know, tweet and share about that. And that's been an inspiration for me. So I know you must have some future passions or maybe even current passions that you're working on. So can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes. Um, let's see. So other than, um, the why, right. Our why, our purpose, um, which, um, I'm sure that that's definitely going to work its way into a, what I call a sequel. Um, who knows what will come out of that, but diversity and community is a major passion for me. Um, I, I just totally believe in the power of diversity, the power of um, being able to interact and learn from people that may not necessarily be the same as you. Um, I think everybody has something to offer in their respective elements. Everybody's experiences are different. Um, sure, there are things that unite us. Uh, however, um, there are different things that we bring to the table as individuals. Um, and I think that there, there's so much power in that. If we can really tap into um, the, the, the power of diversity and how that reflect, is, can be reflected in community and how community, right, Lends, lends itself to diversity. I actually kind of coined a new word recently and I called it <clears throat> communiversity. <laughs> it's almost like a, a blend of community and diversity and inside of the definition was the, the interrelationship between those two. So inside of diversity, you, can, you have the opportunity for community, right? And inside of community, right? It lends itself to diversity because of um, the idea that we are all part uh, of a bigger picture. We all have something that we bring to the table. So diversity and community, definitely a major, major focus for me. Um, also, um, the student-driven classroom, um, empowering students to be leaders. Um, there is a philosophy that I have as a teacher that really drives my day-to-day and it's called CLIMB, and it's an acronym. The C is cultivate, the L is lead, the I is inspire, the M is motivate, the B is build, and the last letter E is empower. And um, while I, I think I try every day to encapsulate those letters, the whole reason I try to encapsulate them in the classroom, how I try to model them in the classroom, is so that they can, as, the, as, as students, begin to model them too. I want, them to, I want them to be able to climb, um, but I believe it requires me to climb and continue to learn and develop myself in order for them to know how important it is for them to learn and develop themselves. Um, and so ultimately, we wanna build students that are empowered, not just to take what I'm giving, right? Not just to take what I'm offering them this one year, but to be able to um, apply um, these habits, these practices, these strategies, for the rest of their lives, which is why vocabulary has become so important, right? Because it's not just vocabulary for fifth grade, it's vocabulary for life. These words are words that, you know, most of, most of these words they've not ever heard of before, but after being utilized all year long and practiced all year long and focused on all year long and intentionally mentioned to them all year long by me, you know, it's, it's driving them to understand the power of vocabulary and how these kinds of, um, these kinds of activities, these kinds of um, forms of empowerment really help to build them as potential leaders. 
um, or leaders in their classrooms, leaders among their peers, leaders in life, leaders in society. And I just believe um, in climb. I believe in the student-driven classroom. And I think that the more that we are able to, as student, as sorry, as teachers, give students the keys, the better they're going to be able to um, to own right what it means to be a lifelong learner. And I'm really, really excited about, uh, about this, that project and you expounding on it because you and I both know, and I think many of our listeners do as well, that certain words get thrown around, certain vocabularies used like uh, student ownership, uh, student agency, things like that. But then to get people to understand what that really means on a practical level, sometimes it's what's missing. And so right. here you talk about this, those values and, and hearing about your experiences, what you do with your students. For me, I see, I see you looking at, these are ways we can do it in a practical way. So it's not just theory, it's action, it's practice. Absolutely. And, and so you made me think of something. Um, I think we've all heard the term too, student-centered. Right. classroom right and so my approach is student driven classroom and so i'd like to draw a parallel between the two of those and i uh, that's the plan um, to do that in that later project part of it um but even now um i believe that every classroom should be student-centered because if we're not doing it for the students then why are we there in the first place okay that's my number one but i believe there's an opportunity for every classroom to be student driven. Okay, so, so again, every classroom should be student centered. Is that happening? Mm, I can't say for sure, but there's an opportunity for every classroom to be student driven. And there is a difference. There is a difference between the two of those because if I allow my students to drive the classroom, then that means I have to give them the keys. And so there are keys that they need in order to be able to, to successfully do that. And it's not just academically driving the classroom. It's those teachable moments that are applicable to behaviors in the classroom, right? Teachable moments, um, you know, somebody maybe says something that hurts someone else's feelings. That's a teachable moment right there. And so allowing even those kinds of things to drive instruction or to drive the, the kinds of activities that we do in the classroom. If it's truly student-driven, it's student-driven um, at, at, the, at the whole child level. So we think about all the different ways at the social level, the behavioral level, the academic level, all of those things matter when it comes to a student-driven classroom. And that's hopefully the approach that uh, I intend to take when that project um, is completed. Well, I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm excited. I know, uh, I know it'll be great. And I certainly appreciate your, your time with me and doing this interview. So now for people who are trying to find you on social media, that are looking to be inspired as I have been, where can they find you? Well, um, I, am a, I am on Twitter a lot, uh, um, at Dean, D-E-N-E underscore G-A-I-N-E-Y on Twitter. Um, yeah, I can also be found at my website, which is www.deangainey.com, D-E-N-E-G-A-I-N-E-Y.com. Feel free to reach out to me in either of those areas. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our show. We know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and yet you chose us. If you like what you heard, 
please subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned to our next episode.